All right. Well, this is kind of a small space. I'm used to being able to walk, so if I accidentally fall off, um, that might be how it goes. Um, it's a good morning. We say that a lot, but it's an extra good morning right after a Husker win, right? And to add to that a little bit, a Texas loss, right? Amen? Thank you. Thank you. Oh, man, I hope you guys know how amazing you have it. Um, and by that, you know, we talk, I see the shirts around, and it says, I love my church, and I think that's really cool that you guys like your church that much, but, but I, I hope you don't miss something a little bigger than that, and what you just saw here is a great example of it. This church is not like most churches, and I don't want to do any comparison thing because God is working in, in different contexts all over the place uh, and doing what he wants with, with different churches, and it takes all kinds of churches to reach all kinds of people, but here's, here's the reality. What's happening here is not normal. It's not typical. And it's not because of Brian. And it's not because of Aaron. I mean, it's not because any of these people standing up here. It's because the Holy Spirit is powerfully moving in this community. I can feel it. And I can see it. And I can sense it. And so don't take that for granted. I don't know how you come uh, to this gathering every week. Um, but my guess is you kind of roll out of bed and, and grab your coffee and do your thing. But don't miss the fact that God is here. And then he's doing some stuff that, that's just not typical and not normal. And you can be part of that. You can just show up and sort of be a, a witness to it, or you can be part of it. You can be invested in it. You can give your life to it, your heart to it. And if you do, you're not going to be disappointed because God is at work here in this place. Um, it's, been, it's been a rough week for me, really rough. God has been doing stuff in my heart and in my life that that is not super comfortable, that I don't really like for him to do. And we have seasons of life like that, don't we? Coming off of my last Sunday, um, I was dealing with some serious insecurity issues. I don't know about you, I'm an insecure guy, big time. I struggle with, with, with people's opinions of me and, and success and, and defining it the right way and the way that I know that I need to define it versus the way I know the world defines it. And so I spent my entire week sort of like in a hole, feeling like, God, what are you going to do with me? What do you want to do with me? I'm not sure... You really can do anything with me. Maybe you've been there before. Um, here's the reality. It was the first song that we sang this morning. He makes beautiful things out of dust. And that's going to be a serious theme of our morning. God wants to do some powerful stuff in and through your life, in and through my life. And it's not because we're worthy of it. And it's not because we're super gifted. It's not because we deserve it. It's because he's good. And it's because he loves you. And he loves me. And he has an incredible plan for fleshing out the kingdom of heaven right here in this city. And he's doing that through you guys. And so if you're here just kind of checking things out, if you're, you're, you've been coming for a while and you're just, I really love the music and man, they play sweet videos. That's great. That's a good reason. But it's not the best reason. Get connected. Be part of something bigger than just you. Let me pray as we dive in this morning. God, I'm really thankful for this community. I'm thankful for what I see happening here. I'm thankful for the faithfulness of the leadership. I'm thankful for the people who have decided to dive in. I, I think about these, this group, these, this new protege group, and I think, wow, something is happening. The floodgates are going to open on this community with your grace and your love um, in a way that none of us could possibly imagine. Lord, we can be used that way. Would you use us that way? Will you use this community that way? Will you use each individual in this room to do things so much bigger than anything we could possibly imagine that it just simply blows our minds? Thank you for the opportunity to be here this morning. 
um, for the fact that you're with us in this place, in this room. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you don't remember anything from this morning, remember this little girl. Remember two things about this little girl. Her excitement, she's so excited about more that she can hardly put together a sentence. She can't really put a sentence together, so it makes no sense. And two, this phrase, more is better. More is better. We're going to do a little self-reflection here this morning on each of our own individual lives because here's the reality. Most of us go through life living a lot less of a powerful life than God designed for us to live. And so more is better this morning and every morning that you get up for the rest of your life as long as it's this, the right stuff. More is better. I, I love the excitement in her voice. I love the way that she, she stumbles through her words. It's, and, and that's the way it is when we sense something that's, that's just, yeah, yeah. I don't know what I'm saying, but I'm excited, right? And this little girl is super, super excited. If you have a Bible um, or an app on your phone, go ahead and get that out. Um, We're going to take a look at Ephesians chapter 3. So much of the time, we live our lives for whatever is right in front of us. And this morning, we're going to look at a text that's going to show us something different. It's going to show us something we could live for that's different. Maybe you've heard messages like this before, but, but this morning in a unique way, I'm hoping to capture the heart of the writer. His name is Paul. If you're not super familiar with the Bible, Paul read a lot or wrote a lot of the Bible. And most of it's in the New, all of it's in the New Testament. Uh, and Paul has this, this excitement about him that we don't see in most people, this passion. This I really like Paul for that reason. He wears his emotions on his sleeve. A lot of the times when Paul's writing, he sounds like that little girl, right? There's several different places in, in Paul's letters that he's writing to the different churches all across the, the, the world at that time. Um, and, and all of them, he has these long run-on sentences with no periods and, and very... Because he's just rambling. He's so excited. He's lost touch with even what he's writing. But there it is. And, and, and it's, it's powerful. Passion is incredibly powerful. And so this morning as we dive in, um, I want to start by giving you kind of a sense of where Paul's at. Because we're going to look at Ephesians 3, but, but so often understanding the heart of God with his word is about understanding the context that he's writing it in, who he's writing to, why he's writing, what's the point of his writing. So catching the heart of God's word is all about knowing the context. It's all about understanding what God is after. The heart of God, which is the point of reading the Bible anyway. It's not about rules. It's not about figuring out what what job God wants you to have. It's about his revealed word. It's about his heart. It's about connecting with him and knowing him better, understanding what it is that he wants to do with our lives. So here's Paul, and he's writing this letter to a group of Christians in a place called Ephesus, all right? It's it's a place that he had been. He'd established a church there, and then he left because Paul was the guy who went around starting churches and then left, but he would write back to the leaders in those churches with instructions, like, here's, okay, here's what's going on. Here's what kind of needs to change. So you guys moved from the old pavilion to this building, and a lot of things changed, right? There's a lot of new stuff to learn, a lot of stuff to figure out. Before the service, I was talking to Brian about the setup, and it's just a huge setup. And you guys have somebody 24-7. I don't know if you know this. There's like a hotline they can call if something's going wrong, and it's just like a help desk, a help center, a troubleshoot, and there's going to be some troubleshooting that needs to be done. And that's kind of what's going on here. That's kind of what's happening as we get to Ephesians chapter 3. The, the Christians in Ephesus, they're really young. They're really brand new at this whole faith thing. In fact, grace, they don't get it. Love, they don't get community. They don't understand it. So there's all kinds of, they're doing some good stuff, but for the most part, they're just kind of struggling to get off the ground. 
struggling to really grab a hold of these things that Paul established there. Things like grace and mercy and love and, and, and the power of all of that on their lives. But the most important thing to understand about Ephesians is it's all about identity. It's all about identity. As human beings, we like to make it about practical stuff. You know, just tell me what to do and I'll check that, I'll check that box and feel good about what I'm doing. But Paul's saying, no, it's not about what you do. It's about who you are. Right? It's about identity. This is who you were, and this is who you are now. So quit living the way you used to, because you're not that person anymore. There's a new set of circumstances. You don't have to live that way. So in Ephesians 2, there's a couple of verses that really summarize all of Ephesians, really. It says this, In those days you were living apart from Christ. You were excluded from citizenship among the people of Israel, and you did not know the covenant promises God made. You lived in the world without God and without hope, but now you have been united with Christ Jesus. Once again, you were far away from God, but now you have been brought near to him through the blood of Christ. I hope you sense the power of those verses. And many of you are in this room because you've experienced the goodness of what it means to be brought near. You were far and you were brought near. And so Paul is going, remember this, okay? This is not new stuff. We already talked about this. I just need to remind you again. You're not this person anymore. You're this person now. So believe it. Know it. Understand it. Let it transform you from the inside out. Let it change you. Let it be powerful in all the ways it's supposed to be powerful. And so all of Ephesians is this reminder. You're not who you were. You were far from God without hope, and now you've been brought near by the blood of Christ. And that's an incredibly cool thing to celebrate, but man, is it hard to remember. Isn't it? It's hard to live in that new identity. It's hard to get away from the old habits of our lives. It's hard to not make it about behavior. And so Paul is saying, don't make it about behavior. Remember who you are and let that transform you. You are so loved that you've been brought near by the power of the cross, by the power of Jesus. Amen? God is so good. And we can celebrate that together here in this place. But then in in Ephesians chapter 3, starting in verse 14, he makes this shift. Paul changes. His whole like, demeanor changes. The way he's writing changes. To this point, it's all like instructions. Don't remember this. Don't forget this. I told you this, and you've already forgotten it. Go back to this, and it will make your life easier. It will make this, all, this stuff all make more sense. And then he makes this weird shift. He doesn't do it in a whole lot of different places, but what he does is he just stops the instruction. He, 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 quits, he, he quits telling them what to do, and he just starts praying. He starts pouring his heart out to God for these people. And then he writes it all down. And I don't know why, but there's, this, there's something really cool about getting a glimpse of a person's heart as they pour out prayer over another group of people. And that's what we have starting in verse 14. So we're going to look at that this morning. And we're going to gather some things about Paul's heart, just totally unfiltered, right? It's, there's, one, there's one period in this entire passage because Paul's so excited in his prayer and his rambling for the the Christians in Ephesians, in Ephesus. And and this is what he wants us to know. There's something powerful about a prayer. Um, When when all three of my kids were born, I have three kids. um, And when they were born, my dad, he he started this thing. He wanted to, um, he gave us, he gave a, a prayer to each one of my kids. So here's my first one. You can't really see it very well. Her name is Sadie Ruth, okay? You get it, you don't know my dad at all. Actually, maybe some of you do. He's preached at this church before. So, If you know my dad, you'll know. But most of you don't know him. So, we're going to get a glimpse of his heart, even though you don't know him. That's the power of a prayer. Sadie Ruth Brower is her name. Born March 21st. 
He says this, this in Isaiah 43, 4, it says, Since you are precious in my sight, since you are honored and I love you, I will give other men in your place and other peoples in exchange for your life. And then he prays, May your heart always know you are precious to the Father. May you live honorably, be honored by all, because you are honored by the Father. May the Father's love for you engender a perfect love for others. May the true and quiet rest of your soul be born from the reality that the Father chose you with my love and devotion. Grandpa Brower. You're gathering something from his heart, even though you don't know him, right? You, you, you hear what he wants. You hear his desires. You hear the passion in him. You don't need to know him to know the things he cares about. Neil is my son. He's 10 years old now. It says this, a good name is to be more desired than great riches. Favor is better than silver and gold. He who loves purity of heart and whose speech is gracious, the king is his friend. In that your good name is befitting of chieftain and champion, May your, may your gallantry champion honor for the fairer. May your chivalry champion grace for the offender. May your valor in spiritual battle champion moral, moral freedom. Again, gathering bits and pieces of who my dad is. And lastly, my daughter. My youngest daughter. Her name is Maggie. And Mary said, Behold, the bond slave of the Lord. May it be done to me according to your will. Luke 1.38 May full freedom be found enslaved to a gracious master. May early discovery of the Lord's trustworthiness find you in perfect alignment with the word of the Most High. So, so here's three prayers. And you don't know my dad, but you got a glimpse of his heart. Maybe the purest glimpse. If you came up here and read those again and with the purpose of going, who is this guy? What is he about? You would know. Why? Not because he gave you a list or his resume, the different jobs that he's had, or, or the different accomplishments in his life. All we did was see his, hear his prayer for his grandkids. And that's what's happening right here with Paul and the people of Ephesus. He's pouring his heart out. And we're going to get a glimpse of the most important things for all of Christian life. Not in a set of instructions, not in a rule book, but in a simple prayer. A letter to some people that he sees as, as his children in the faith. And it's a powerful thing. So we get to be a fly on the wall as Paul rambles on, pouring his heart out. To a group of people. What is Paul trying to say? What does he want us to understand? What does he want us to know? And here's what it is. There is so much more for you. There is so much more for you. To these people, it's there is more for you than the obedience to a religious code of conduct. Because that's the way these people are living and they can't get away from the slavery of the law of this behaviors-driven mentality. They can't do it. They're judging each other. They're judging themselves. They pat themselves on the back when they do good things and they feel guilty when they do bad things. And Paul's going, stop it! That's not the point of grace. That's not the point of the cross. You forgot. See, there's more for you than that. For us, it's a little bit different. We struggle with some of those same things. But for us, it's this. There's more for you than the mundane, just-make-it-through-the-day kind of life that most Americans are living. There's more for you than saving for retirement, than getting really good grades, than making the next promotion. There's more than keeping your kids alive, which is hard sometimes. It's true. There's more than planting, than planning your next meal or excelling in sports or rooting for the Huskers, struggling to make ends meet, failing over and over, failing to um, failing to the same, falling to the same temptations over and over, letting others' opinions define us letting others' actions dictate our emotional state. There is more for you than that stuff. And that's the, the, the rat race we live in. It's whatever is most urgent. It's whatever is right now. And Paul is saying, wait a minute, back up. Hold on a second. 
There's so much more for you than the way you're currently living our lives. So we pick up in verse 14. And this is Paul's prayer. This is Paul's prayer for his friends. And it's his prayer for you and for me. Um, I'm convinced, personally, there's not been a text in all of God's Word that has been more impactful for my own life. For some reason, it helps me to get away from, from seeing the Bible as, as stuff I'm supposed to do and just to hear from the heart of somebody who gets it, who understands it so perfectly. So if you're following along in Ephesians 3, we're starting in verse 14. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name, that he would grant to you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in your inner man, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, and that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of God, which surpasses knowledge, that you, may, that you may be filled up to the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think, according to the power that works within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Only one, only one period through that entire passage. See, Paul is just, he's excited. He's excited, he's passionate. He is so completely caught up in this in the, his desire to see his friends, these people, the, the Christians in Ephesus, get it and understand it and be set free from what they used to live for. Set free from the mess that they've come out of. To be drawn near to God and understand what it means to understand Him fully and completely, this unknowable love. So there's six things that I just kind of quickly want to show you. From this passage, from this prayer, this is what life's all about. This is what it comes down to right here. You've got to notice that what Paul's so excited about, it's not that people would do better or act nicer. It's not a commitment to going to church that he's pumped about. It's not a moral code of conduct. It's a heart-level, life-changing, inner man change in every single person that lives there. So number one, Paul is longing to see inside-out life transformation. Inside-out, the inner man, he says, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with power through his spirit in the inner man. The inner man refers to the heart. There are all kinds of things Paul could have taken issue with because these people needed to be set straight in all kinds of ways. They're screwing up a lot. But he doesn't, he doesn't address that. That's not what matters most to him. He wants to see them transformed because Paul understands something that hopefully you understand. He wants you to understand it. You are going to be the same person you've always been unless Christ transforms your inner man. Plain and simple. So if you're living your life to check boxes, if you're living your life to be a little bit better, you can stop that now because it's not doing you any good. It's not getting you any closer to God. It's not creating any extra you know, like growth in God's book. It's not doing any good so quick. Stop trying to be good. Instead, Paul prays, be strengthened with power in the inner man. And how does it happen? Through His Spirit. You can't do it on your own. But this is where it begins. This is where all of life and faith has to begin with God's transformational work in each one of our hearts and lives. We don't have to do anything. We don't have to clean up anything. Many of you, that's why you've connected with this community. Because it believes that so completely. Who you are right now in this moment is who God designed for you to be. 
And all he wants to do is, is see you come alive because of his love for you, because of his grace, because of the power of his spirit strengthening you in the inner man. It starts with inside out life transformation. Then Paul goes on, number two, that Christ would be central to every aspect of your life. Verse 17, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. This concept of dwell is all about being taken over. And maybe you've never really seen it like this. But when we invite Jesus to take over our lives, that's what he wants to happen. Listen to Romans 8, 29. For those who he foreknow, he also predestined to become conformed to the image of his son. Conformed. Colossians 3, 2 through 4 says this. Set your mind on the things above, not on the things that are on the earth. For you have died and your life is, hear this, hidden with Christ. Your life is hidden with Christ. The word hidden, the the concept of hidden means you go away. It means no one else can see you anymore. You don't actually exist. You do, but it's just in Christ. And so this all-consuming, look at that, I almost stepped right off. This this all-consuming, totally dwelling within, hidden in Jesus. That's what he's after. That's the all-consuming nature of what surrender is all about. And that's hard for us. We don't want to lay ourselves aside. We want to put ourselves aside. But if we do, we can be powerfully changed from the inside out, hidden with Jesus. And it begins with the choice to say, you know what? I'm going to set myself aside. I'm going to hide myself in Jesus. There's so many powerfully cool, amazing things that happen when we choose to surrender like that. Number three, Paul's excited about this. He says that you would clearly understand the implications of Christ's love. That statement right there is like, it it almost seems impossible, right? Clearly understand all the implications of Christ's love. We are finite people with very small minds. There are so many things that we don't understand. And in a lot of ways, the love of Christ is like even stated in here. It's unknowable, right? That you being rooted and grounded in love, it says, may be able to comprehend with all the saints, what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ. But I love that Paul does this. This is is why it takes a miracle. To know the love of Christ, which surpasses knowledge. What? So you're, you're calling us to know the love of Christ, but also saying it surpasses knowledge. You see, something powerful has to happen that we can't accomplish. We can know the love of Christ, but not in our own strength. We can connect with its realities, but not on our, not in our, on our, on our own. And so we live our lives trying to comprehend God's love. We have bits and pieces. We sort of get it, but we're not being transformed by the inner man. So we don't fully understand the implications of God's love. I tell you what, a full understanding of love that surpasses knowledge is there's nothing more life-changing than that. And the Bible talks about it over and over because you see, love is the answer. Love is the answer. We're not called to be rooted in church. We're not called to be rooted in worship. Guess what? We're not called to be rooted in the Bible. Before you leave because you think I'm a heretic, it's true. We're called to be rooted in the love of Christ. Because when we choose to get rooted there, then everything else, everything else aligns itself in our lives. Love is the answer always. Perfect love. The kind of love that surpasses knowledge. But verse 19 says that's unknowable. If we choose to surrender and be hidden with Christ, He reveals His love in our life and all the implications it has. And it is the answer, my friends. What is the answer to social injustice? It's love. 
What is the answer to our economic crisis? Love. What is the answer to our issues in Syria right now? It's love. What is the answer to healing my marriage? It's love. Not yours, not the kind you can give, not the kind you can conjure up, but only the kind that God has chosen to pour out on every single human being on this planet. Maybe that sounds simple. Maybe you're like, Jake, that's just, whatever. That's way too simplistic for me. It's not. Love is the answer across the board. 1 Corinthians tells us, If I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but do not have love, I have become a noisy gong or clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and know all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to move mountains, but do not have love, I'm nothing. And if I give all my possessions to feed the poor, if I, have, if I surrender my body to be burned, but do not have love, it profits me nothing. You maybe heard that before, but, but this is where I'm convinced that, that we don't understand the implications of love. Do you believe in it that strongly? So much so that when anytime you see a problem or any situation or anything that's not just, your answer is love? Is that your answer to life? Is that your answer to your, your financial problems? Is that the answer to your problems with raising kids? Your problems with school? What is your answer? Well, the best answers we've come up with as people have fallen incredibly short. And that's why we have the mess in our world that we have today. Because we are a mess. We need to be transformed from the inside out so that Christ can dwell, become central to every aspect of our lives so that we can then, and only then, understand the full implications of Christ's love. Number four, Paul goes on. His desire is that we be filled up to the fullness of God, that you may be filled up to all the fullness of God. That pretty much sums it up. I don't need to say a whole lot about that because that's stupid. That's ridiculous. Why in the world would God give us that? How many of us are experiencing the fullness of God in our lives? How many of us even believe that that's possible? I'm not sure I do. I'm not sure I know what it looks like. But this is Paul's prayer for you and for me, and this is truth. And it wouldn't be in here if it wasn't possible. Who wants to be filled to the fullness of God? Everything that he is, everything that he offers. This isn't about becoming God. This is just simply having every single aspect of God as our own in every way. Crazy. Fifthly, um, Paul's... Paul's desire is that we, that, that we begin to live out this broken and dependent lifestyle before God. He goes, he makes a, a little bit of a transition even within this prayer. Um, he's praying for, for stuff to happen, and then he just totally turns his attention to God himself. And he picks up in verse 20, and he starts with a very simple phrase that says, Now to him who is able. To him who is able. It's a simple statement that carries a ton of weight. Who is able? He is able. Am I able? No. Only he is able. As human beings, one of the most natural tendencies is to live in our own strength, to try to control, right? Across the board, we deal with control issues. It's my life. i got to take control of my life. Everything in our world tells us to do that. That's the right thing to do. And everything in God's Word says, word says no, give it to me. Lay it down. Let it go. Be found in me alone. And so there's this concept of being broken and humbly dependent on God that unleashes His power in our lives. It's about embracing the reality of your mess. Because you're a mess. And the person sitting next to you knows that. No matter how hard you try to cover that out, cover that up, the person sitting next to you knows you're a train wreck. You know I'm a train wreck. 
And so the first step to understanding that we can live a life that is, that is defined by God-sized stuff is if we start by going, I am a train wreck. I am a mess. And just on a side note, the reason the world is going church is stupid, church makes no sense, is because we're all pretending we're not. Let this place not be one of those places where we pretend. There's no reason, because everybody knows. So let's stop playing games with each other. When we choose to embrace our brokenness, everything about it, acknowledge it in your own heart, acknowledge it to the people in your lives, and then begin a process of, of becoming fully surrendered and dependent on what God wants to do in your life. It unleashes His power in our lives. Only He is able. You can't do anything of worth or value in this world. Understand that. Embrace that. 2 Corinthians 12.10 says, Therefore I am well content with weakness, with insults, with distresses, with persecutions, with difficulties. For Christ's sake, for when I am weak, then I am strong. It's a verse that's quoted a lot. But do we actually live that out? Do we connect with it? Do we understand it? So much so that we're going, okay, I'm going to choose weakness. No, we don't do that. Because weakness isn't fun. Weakness is hard. Weakness isn't valued in our culture. Weakness is put down. Embracing the I can't and replacing it with he can. It's that simple. And we're all doing, we're all doing one or the other. We are either, listen to this, Here's the question, ultimately. I'm going to live my life, live a life defined mostly by what I can do, or I'm going to live a life mostly defined by what God can do. There's two, that's, those are the, the two options. And you can keep doing your thing. You can keep living a life defined by you and what you're capable of, or you can choose to unleash the power of God in your life and see what He can do. And number six, Paul's prayer is that we could dream up and live out a crazy, risky, stupid faith that's marked by God-sized impact. This is my favorite passage in the whole Bible. Right here. These two verses, verse 20 and 21. It says, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think. Far more abundantly beyond? You see Paul sounding like the little girl? Like, that's not a good sentence. I think that he said it too many times. A little bit redundant. Far more abundantly beyond. Here's the thing. Paul can't even put it into words. There aren't words. There aren't. If you can dream it up, it's too small for God. So what are you dreaming up right now? For most of us, we've become dead inside because we've stopped dreaming. Because realism is better. God doesn't value realism. Because whatever you're dreaming up, it's, it's just tiny for God. He's like, that's, come on. Are you kidding me? So Paul is urging us to understand He's longing for us to understand what God can do, not what we can do. And we, the, the people of Ephesus and us, we're guilty of the same thing. We're stuck on what we can do. We look out over the rides and we go, that I can see, that I can touch, that I can hold. So let's go with that. It's more risky than that person, so I'll just go. No, God is saying, start, start dreaming it up. Start, start dreaming up what you can't possibly do. And this church exists because of people who dreamed like that, and people who lived like that. And you know what? What's happening right here is really fun, but it's too small for God. It's too small. Two services next week, awesome. So awesome, it's too small for God. So what are you dreaming? For your own life personally as an individual, are you dreaming anymore, or have you gotten stuck living based on what you can do right now, the urgent today? Start dreaming again. This is right there in the Bible. 
to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think according to the power that works within us. Okay, the requirement to see that kind of powerful stuff come out of our lives is that, that he is dwelling in us because that's where the power comes from. According to the power at work within us. You can't do it on your own. So stop trying. Surrender your heart and your life fully, completely to him. And he can do powerful things in and through your life. Things that you can't possibly dream up. I don't know about you, but I want my life to be identified that way. I want the thing, when I'm, when I'm almost done with this life, I'd love to be able to look back and go, look what God did. My prayer for Mosaic, and I pray for you all often, is that your community would be defined by things that people can't define, that people can't do on their own, that people would look at you in this community and go, that's not normal. That's not typical. And no matter how scary or risky it is, they'd want to get involved anyway because it's so stinking powerful. Let's pray. God, thank you for this community. Um, thank you for the ways that you've already transformed so many lives. So many lives. But Lord, don't let these people settle. Don't let us as individuals settle for, for mundane, settle for, for easy, settle for simple, settle for what's right in front of us right now. God, don't let us settle. Set our hearts back to dreaming. Not dreaming about what we can do, but dreaming about what you are capable of. And then confidence in our heart to know and understand that whatever we just dreamed up was so stinking small compared to you. And you'd unleash the power of the Spirit in our lives and in this community in such a way um, that the world simply sees it and loves it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.